You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? We're here backstage in Chicago. Well, outside of Chicago, technically, right? Yeah. yeah. This is a. This is like a. This tour has been a bit of a warp tour experience in that, like, you're not. You're a lot of times you're not right downtown in the city. You're like at a a shed. Yeah. Down the street a piece, up the road a piece. You know. A, a piece. Hey, <laughs> everybody! Welcome to Drinks with Johnny. I'm here with uh, three of the dudes of Alexis on Fire, who are old friends that are out on the road with Avenged Sevenfold, my band, right now. And uh, we're backstage right now, having uh, having a little episode for you guys. The first one I've recorded backstage in a dressing room. So thank you guys for being the first on this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Good to be here. So um, let's start with like what's going on right now. We're in Chicago, as I said, or outside. Mm. Amphitheaters, an amphitheater that we've been to together probably before. On Warp Tour. Maybe. Did you guys play this one? It's all a blur. It's a, it's a kind <laughs> of a yeah yeah yeah. I've blocked most of the Warp Tour out of my mind. But uh, yeah, you know, people say uh, guys refer to like their time in the Vietnam War as like in the shit. Yeah, that's warp tour for me. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's warp tour for everyone. I think I, 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 I actually think that that's the case. I talked to uh, Noodles not too long ago. Well, actually, now it's been fucking four years ago now since uh, he mentioned it. He's like, I know anytime I'm going to get along with another musician as if they've done a warp tour or not. And you're like, okay, like you've get, you've actually gone through the shit. We can get we can get along, you know. I mean, it was a harsh toke, yeah. right? Yeah. You get there and you're like, "Oh, we're going to skateboard around, we're at a barbecue." Yeah. Incredible. There's a bunch of my friends are here. And then day 7 of doing that, you're like, "That's enough skateboarding, barbecue and <laughs> I don't have anything else to say to these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go down the line and, and uh, introduce everybody here. We got Chris Steele on bass, Wade on guitar vocals, and George, George. on George uh, also vocals. Yeah. Um, just so that everyone knows, yes, sound off who you are. Because a lot of times the people, I did a bad job of this, by the way, um, just now and before. Uh, everyone, when they listen on the podcast, they don't know who's who on the voices. So you gotta like say your own. I name. think I look like my voice. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but that's right. a, but that's if they're watching yeah. on YouTube. What if they're just listening on the podcast platform? Very good. That's a very confusing thing I just said. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to make it crystal clear, 
I'm Wade McNeil. I play the guitar. There you go. I'm Chris Steele. I play bass. George Pettit, uh, singer of the band. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting though for me too because I, I, like I said, we haven't seen each other in a long time um, until this tour started. And uh, I was talking to Chris first, running, ran into him, and in, what was that? The, can, the first can, Canadian date, right? Yeah, Quebec City, maybe. Yeah. Well, I popped my head in the first show. What was our first show? Camden. Camden. You guys yeah, 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 I popped my right. head in and said hey. And uh, you guys reminded me it was we're coming up on like 20 years ago when we did that Mike Hem tour together. Yeah, it's a trip. Like I, I looked it up before we came out on the road, and like it was actually 20 years ago. Us, you guys, and then. My Chemical Romance, you know, I don't know what ever happened to them. I don't know if they did anything after that. Too, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, a lot of great bands that just kind of fizzle off into obscurity. And you That was one of them. I thought, the, I, thought they were, I thought they really had something. And Me next too, thing you know, but, you know, just a band's band, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, the, the, uh, uh, someone else reminded me that it was also Opiate for the Masses. Yes. Oh, my oh, God. Was that you, Chris, that told me that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That band left a real impression on us for a long time afterwards. Was it Rod? Ron. 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 Yeah. Maybe not enough of an impression that I remember his name. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what about but Seven? Seven on drums was an impression on everybody. <laughs> they were. Yeah, they were. They were. They were lovely. What they a lovely, lovely band. Yeah. yeah. What a great tour that was too. And it, and I didn't realize. I don't know if it is this way for you guys too. Like we're all the same age and been doing it for about the same amount of time. It's like. At a certain point, it still doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Like, yeah, like, it was the difference between 1991 and 1971. Yeah, think about that, right? That, which is so second. it's so wild. <laughs> like that's together. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that at all. I don't know about no, you. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think time stopped in the early 2000s. Really, honestly, like it, right. it does really feel that way. Uh, um, you know, it was a we were on our second show in uh, outside of uh, Boston, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was recalling the beginning of our tour 20 years ago, and we had just played uh, South by Southwest, and we did a, a, a small, like, equal vision run to get there. Yeah. And in St. Louis, Dallas was skateboarding and busted up his ankle real bad. That's right. And then, like, played in a chair and wore, like, a plastic boot, right, for yeah. a while. And so that's how we started, I think, the Avenged Tour 20 years ago. And then day two... Brian had an episode with his leg, and I was like, Ooh, is this I, I would have if Brian ended up in a boot after this, after Mansfield, that would have just I'm been glad he's okay. But no, no, crazy. I'm not, but yeah, <laughs> time is a flat circle, <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Here's it one is thing I remember about that was kind of the end of us skateboarding on tour. You know, that, would probably put it, that would probably put it when Dallas da was, was in a boot because even after he was in a, he was in a chair at first, right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then he had to wear it for so long that I think that we even did some of the warp tour dates with it, and he was he was able to walk around on stage at one point but still had the boot on if I, I feel like it wasn't too big a deal because we were playing such shitholes, there was nowhere for him to walk. <laughs> so he was just like kinda leaning against yeah, the, the stages wall of were the bar. a little yeah. bit smaller. Yeah, it's chill. Yeah. <laughs> um but I do remember very vividly uh the night um that he he did that to his leg. He um he was trying to drive the van for some reason. He's always oh, trying to do everything. Right. Yeah. Wow. He won't stop. Yeah. Won't chill out. And uh, we're all yelling at him. We're all like yelling, like, stop driving the van. Like, let anyone else do it. He's like, I got it. I got it. And then he drives the van into a wall. Yeah. Behind the creepy crawl. And then uh, George <laughs> said, 
get the fuck out of the van peg leg wall ride yeah 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 and yeah. uh and that's that all i remember for a long that. time yeah. well, the, the funny thing ride? was is, is we were all standing outside of the van dallas is in the van he puts it into drive but then he goes to do something and he takes his foot off the brake and he's not paying any attention so we're all watching the van move as slowly as humanly possible and then just crash into a wall <laughs> like no damage to the van whatsoever but we're all just like what the fuck's going on <laughs> it was going slow enough you could just put it in park and it would have stopped yeah that. yeah no that was exactly it took his foot off the brake he's looking around for his phone and keys just like looks up and then he's hitting a wall <laughs> it was great yeah yeah good times the van days the oh van, yeah the good old van days how many buses are you guys out on this on this tour with how many do you have we have three band, two crew, I believe. So that's five? Yeah. I yeah, we got so. six. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. You guys should have more. We have. I mean, after headlining the other night in... Uh, you uh, headlined Pine Knob like we do? We picked up Pine a couple Nob. buses after yeah. that night. <laughs> <laughs> Started with two. Second, we headlined Pine Knob. We're like, we need a couple more buses. There's not even any people on them. They're just there. Yeah, I do well. I mean, like like I said though, like we were saying before we re rolled tape, do you guys think you're gonna uh, let us headline tonight? Or is I'm pretty happy for you guys to just play and not have a lightning storm. <laughs> yeah, you know? it would be nice. That'd be good. It'd be yeah. nice. We got lightninged off the planet when we went to Florida last time. We were playing uh, Rock or Welcome to Rockville, and uh, so we slide into this, you know, Daytona Speedway. We get there, and there's like these you know roving thunderstorms that keep coming in and they keep having to shut the grounds and everyone's leaving yeah uh, like you know 150 lightning strikes on the festival grounds like while like during our set when we were supposed to play we were pretty much one of the few bands that didn't get to play so we pretty much just sat around the daytona speedway for 12 hours and wow. while bands were like constantly having to cancel their show guns and roses couldn't play yeah, you guys so were on the gnr day yeah okay yeah you guys been just nice recently played that like, yeah a few months ago uh may yeah just two months ago yeah. wait what month are we in we're at the end of july right good question yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no uh -huh. one fucking knows in a fucking what, what day it is um yeah so a couple months ago we just did the uh that was our second show back from um our five-year hiatus the, it's a strange sensation isn't it Oh, it's so yeah. It's you guys familiar, can all speak to weird. it. Speak to it too. I'm so yeah. glad to have you guys on here. Another band that can speak to having that kind of hi hiatus, you know, and then coming back to it. Um, it is surreal, man. Like, we, luckily, we did like a little three thousand. What are you doing, Rafa? This is so unprofessional. Bushley, man. <laughs> this is why you're only interning on drinks with Johnny. <laughs> Going back to running the operation <laughs> myself. I had a good mind to tell him shadows about this. <laughs> 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 uh, it's uh, it, so we did like the, the little three thousand thing in in Vegas before, because you know you go play Rockville, it's forty five, fifty thousand people. Yeah. Like it's been five years, it's already gonna be surreal enough. I don't need it to be in front of forty five, fifty thousand people, and so, but it still was. You know, you go up there, it's a completely different vibe. My son seeing me for the first time to his his recollection, which oh, was amazing. That's yeah, I got to wave enough. to him from the stage, and she was walking down. I was like. Dad's not just a stay-at-home piece of crap, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do more than podcasts, son, you know? So, um, no, it was, it was really cool, but absolutely, it's surreal, but at the same time, for me, I don't know about you guys, you, you all speak, speak to it individually, but for me, it just, it felt so right. It was like, the moment I went up there, I was like, at first you're kind of like, is this really happening again? And then it's like, oh, yeah. 
this is really fucking happening again and I'm like ready for it and just like it felt like my purpose was being uh reused I guess yeah you know well I think we all you know used to travel like constantly and we were constantly touring and we built this kind of neural pathway in our heads so mm -hmm. f that that for performance I guess right so I remember that after our after our first shows back after our time off um and also post pandemic were was I get like super nervous before we play now because I'm not used to doing it all the time. And you know, mm. you're, you get scared, but then like, uh, you walk up to that precipice of the stage and you step out there and it's like that neural pathway that I've spent, you know, all those years in the van and, and touring around building just fires immediately. And we're right back into performance. Right. So it was, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it felt for me. Definitely. I, it was, I was worried that like, you know, you lose some, something by not doing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and the second you get out there, you realize that it, it was there the whole time, you know? And yeah. I'm glad it felt like right for you. You know, it's not, I don't think always the case uh, yeah. with a, with time off and coming back to it. My perspective is, um, I think, um, uh, that the family that, you know, speaking on, on behalf of like us doing it and having a number of years go by, we all kind of like find our footing in different avenues in life and do different things, come back and do this familiar thing again. But it felt right in the way I think just with the connection we have with one another. Right. And that's what made it feel right, you know? And then it felt so right that we thought, you know, without creating a at that time in 2015, like a big master plan, let's just have fun with it. Yeah. You know, it kind of forces you to get back to that though. Right. Cause that's like where, where we all started. It's just to go have fun with it. And then yeah. the business comes later, the, the longevity, the, the abundance of shows back to back oh, yeah. being around each other as much as you love each other, there's still bad days and you get jaded of that shit. Eventually that time apart, I think you're speaking to correct me if I'm wrong. When they, when, when you do bring it back together, when it is like a family and you've been through it all together, it makes you reappreciate each other and what you're doing together. Like you're out like the easiest, like coolest, not easiest, but one of the coolest fucking jobs you could have. Right. Is, and, and you're getting to do it with other guys that you consider family and have, have each other's backs and everything. And like really putting that into perspective, both from time off and you mentioned the pandemic, I think was a huge thing for all of us. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, well, you know, being able to come back to it, uh, I just, I don't know, maybe give it, give it the respect it deserves. Yeah. Not that we would, not that we didn't take it seriously because we really, we fucking worked our ass off and we, we really did care. Um, but I think we were able to, in the time away, you know, maybe shed some of the stuff that was, wasn't doing us any good. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way we the way we'd go about certain things, the rules we'd created for ourselves, for our band, for our music, what we can do, what we can't do. Um, we let a lot of that go. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a really beautiful experience for us. Like, you know, becoming like a, a band again. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we can all say, you know, the five of us can all say, you know, our, our lives are, our lives feel like more enriched having it in it. Yeah. And, 
and we're we're more and more grateful and we're more present in what we do and uh and that's that's incredible because you know i don't know that's that's not the story for a lot of bands you know i'm glad to hear you say that you know coming back has been this really positive thing for you guys because you know that's that's not the case for a lot of bands you know a lot of bands never even get a chance to to try it again right they don't allow themselves to do it and and yeah this like it's hard to be like when everything lines up and you guys are like when you're when you're with when you're with your guys and it's like everything's clicking on stage like it's i don't know it's hard to beat that that's that's very very special absolutely yeah being present in that is absolutely like that's how you take it all in right you have to be present it's so easy for us all with all with everything going on to just be laser focused and shut everything else off and not realize like each arena you're in like we were talking about before like i don't even i know we've been to this arena probably probably before but i can't even picture it you know what i mean because there's so many back then it's like now i'm just like as i get older as everything as you start to appreciate then you'd be more in the present like look around see what the fuck you're actually doing in that moment it's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. Steel definitely ha- you have a mind that like a photographic mind for details regarding touring and and where somehow. we've been somehow yeah. I, through the fog of I, like you know <laughs> <laughs> so let's get well let's get into some of that shit yeah, that he remembers yeah, yeah. that you don't then talk about the fog <laughs> yeah 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 the fog yeah. You know, it's really cool for both, you know, for us to be doing this tour. We've both taken a big step away from it. And here we are doing it again. Mm-hmm. And people are showing up. And, you know, like the purpose of doing this is playing live music. And people still really care. And when I, like when we were in Europe uh, last fall, I usually make a point to just say, hey, to people that are coming to the show, you know, just. And most people I talked to, it was their first Alexis on Fire show. And like, I'm just going down memory lane of like 20 years of playing England, you know? And uh, it reminded me of like when I met Wade for the first time in the late nineties and we went, we were seeing the Misfits in St. Catharines, Ontario in a parking lot. And I was seeing that show for the first time, but they obviously had 25 years of touring experience before my first experience. Yeah, put yourself in that perspective. And now it's just like, it's, it's a trip. Yeah, yeah so I, th- cool. I think with that, like, you know, generationally, like, yeah, when, because we stopped playing for a while and we started again, you know, there's a lot of people saying to us, like, oh, like, you know, I was too young to see you guys back then, or like, mm. now I'm into this, or whatever, and, you know, that kind of made me think about the older bands that, you know, I'd gotten really into, like, I mean, there was a there was a good stretch of time, like, I saw Motorhead play a lot, you know, for like 10, 12 years, like, up until they ended, and... And um, they've probably been playing for close to 30 years. Yeah. So at that point. So for like, for me to like, like join, yeah. for me to get it, like, you know, like to get to an age where like you're, you've found your way into that music. And then I'm there for like a full decade of like every time they play in Toronto, like that's so wild. Like that they would have had that, you know, that switch of like new fans coming in after all these years and they're still doing the thing it's it's really fucking cool it is uh, that's that's it's interesting because i i wonder is that just because it's just like any other art i guess but i, I don't see it and people i guess still discover movies later but it, the fact that you're creating a piece of art that 
can live somewhere and it, you could grab it or it's streaming, whatever the case may be. People are can still discover it's not like a one and done thing. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's definitely a part of it, right? Yeah, and it's important. I think that's I think that's really important that that people are seeking out things, older things, and understanding the like or you know the lineage the catalog, of right? the, the the lineage of of where you know what they like now came from and i think mm -hmm. that we all went through periods as music listeners where you're just following back that lineage of influence okay okay i like this record what were they listening to that made them listen to that and make that you yeah. know like and then you, okay now i'm finding this and it leads you kind of you kind of snake back in time uh discovering all sorts of types of music right i think it's a really important way of consuming music not just like okay what's happening right now what's like going on right like it's exactly. it's important to know well yeah i mean especially for like you know kids that are fans of your band right you know and if they're they're playing music and they they want to sound like avenge sevenfold like you know you don't you don't write music like that by listening to Avenged Sevenfold and listening to a bunch of like your contemporaries. Mm. Like you need to like, you know, a band sounds the way they do because of this like massive well of influence, like the fucking SoCal, like, like melodic punk stuff that you guys probably listened to when you were oh, like absolutely. younger and like in high school and just like, and the, the metal records and the, and the oddball stuff that I'm sure people would have no idea that you even fuck with. Yeah. You know? So it's like, if like you want to like existentialism, which I was like, I was actually, uh, that was I, new. That was that's new. new. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's like, this is great. Like there's even now there's like new interesting, like, uh, influences that are, you know, I think that's important changing. though to have your influences. I think you guys know this too. Is like to continue to grow as artists, you have to look for new muses too. You can't can't rest on the old stuff and let those muses come to you in a lot of a lot of respects. Be open to what's what's happening around you. you could, it used to be uh, other uh, other artists before us doing stuff, right? But now it could be something as like a philosopher can inspire me to write a song. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you find other sp other places. As long as you have your eyes open, I think. Eyes and ears. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one -on -one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. That's so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still very moved 
by music and art and mm. and film and when i'm in a real space like the, when i'm in a really good headspace for it i'm just like always open and i'm always just like taking it in mm. and i'm always just like kind of almost like cataloging everything i see and i hear and i read and that finds its way into the the music that we make and the the way our you know the way we present everything that we do and and i'm still very very moved by by great art you know the 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 day of detroit george and i went to um went to the art institute in detroit and had this like incredible morning where I don't know. Yeah, I was just like we we hit this one photography uh, exhibit, and I was like very very emotionally moved by it, and it wasn't, you know, the the subject matter of the photography or or the technicality of everything. It's just like that undescribable thing that's very very important about art that you can't quite put your finger on. Mm. That like magic quality of it, where it's just it's the artist's like. It's it's them. It's their. It's the way they do it, and that specific thing that makes it special. And you know, we really left like very very fired up, and just feeling like like art is very very important, and it's important to like make time for it in your life. And it really, you know, it's it's always striking you differently, no matter what's going on with you. And and maybe that stuff resonated with me that day because of what's personally going on with me right now, or whatever. And. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think Wade we lost his pet turtle. Uh, I was just going to ask. Wait, wait, wait. wait. He, uh, <laughs> what is the what's personally going on right now? Or do you mind indulging? You don't have to indulge into it if you don't want to, or just give a little. When Sampson, <laughs> when Sam- my turtle, <laughs> wait, did died. <laughs> Sampson the turtle. Huh? I have a fucking turtle. No, he doesn't have a turtle. That was just not a, anymore. No, yeah, not anymore. anymore. <laughs> we're getting a little too. Uh, I guess we're getting a little too serious. It's just like a beach ball go. It's, up, it's nice. To, it's like nice it. to be inspired and like right. and to put that into. I'm sure that translated in some capacity into the show that night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We try and do. I think we try and do as much of that on the road as possible. If I, if we have an opportunity to do something, either to see a concert while we're on the road or go to an art gallery or go to a museum or whatever. Like those are things that I think we do more now than we did back in the day. A lot of the times, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing three months of touring in the United States, sometimes you just like can't be fucked to do anything or you see the three block radius around the club and that's enough. I think we're more and more trying to experience the cities we're in and appreciate, you know, the architecture and the local culture as opposed to what we were doing, you know, a long time ago, which was mostly drinking. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm going to crack a beer. I know you're the only one here. I know you got a show, so I don't know. I what? usually don't drink before, but this is a special show. A special and occasion. I might not even get to play tonight. I still don't know. George, do it. I'll it's join. special. <laughs> George, do it. It's special. <laughs> George. Yeah, no, don't, feel, don't feel obligated. We're, we're not I'm peer in. pressuring over here, but cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for being on the show, of course. Along the lines of uh, what we were just talking about last fall, we did like a five-day run in California. But because we're like so infrequent with touring, it felt like a month just the way that the the shows were. And then towards the end, we were in uh, San Diego and by chance, like our good friends from our small hometown were playing at a small club in San Diego called The Outfit. And it's the first time I've seen them. Love their records. 
And it was the first time you got to see him. I live? got to see him live in oh, this wow. like really tiny club, and it just fired me up. Like I was starting to drag my heels after six days of being on the road, <laughs> and, and, and I yeah. was just like fired six up. Six days is real brutal. Days. Oh man! How long has this tour been then? <laughs> um, Feeling a little logy from all the caviar we had earlier, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then I was talking to the drummer about like a certain song. And he's like, I don't know what that is. The whole set is one song to me because transitionally it's just. What is this band one now? Song. Oh, yeah, like, are you familiar with? Uh, well, this guy Dan Romano is. Uh, he was a he played in a band called Attack and Black that we toured with back in the day. Okay. And then um, he kind of went off on his own and kind of did this like has had this kind of arcing career where he started off doing like rhinestone cowboy sort of. Uh, like country music okay. and then kind of branched out into like, I don't know, psych rock kind of stuff. It's hard to explain, but Americana maybe. Mm -hmm. And his band is, as like, it, it is remarkable. I was blown. I was floored by it as well. Like they're just for people that are just playing rock music. It was like, I'd never seen a rock show before, you know, mm -hmm. like they were, they were incredible. It's just like him flanked by like, these uh, two incredible women that like are singing and playing guitar or like playing tambourine with him and stuff like that. And it's just a very fun show. And it does. It flows like it was all airtight. Like there was no like, here's song number one. All right, we're going to stop for a second, tune the guitar. It was just like kept going and kept rolling. It was oh, that's it was cool. great. Very, that's, very cool. That's a cool vibe. So they did they. But that sounds like like no interaction with the crowd. Then like everything just kind of rolls into into each song or. Is, yeah, is, is that the way they do it? I think it, that like? is the interaction with the crowd, just the, the way yeah. way it is. The yeah, yeah. and then uh, you know me being like, oh, I want this tour to end, and like being like complaining about my air conditioned like hotel room, and they're like, yeah, we got to go. We're playing a pizza kitchen in uh, Santa Cruz tomorrow. Oh. We got to drive overnight, and just put things in perspective. Remembering yeah. those days. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it fired me up. Just trying to like do as I think we've in the last few years we've all done really good at. Uh, getting outside of the venues, getting outside of the hotel rooms and like making the most of it. It's mm -hmm. very important actually, dude. Like seriously, I was happy to see you guys. That was the first time when we were all in Detroit and went and saw the Tigers Angels game. That was the first time on this tour that I really got out and did anything. And like, I was starting to feel it, man. Like you start to feel that depression yeah, starts to really yeah. kick in. Like it's, it's a true thing. Sometimes you need to just like have the hotel room and you need to like lay a day down to yourself, and no, a date to yourself, yourself like for sure. that makes that makes sense um there was time i i really struggled i took a lot of time in montreal to myself and it was it was nice but i, I did have that like pull of like i'm in montreal this is an incredible city with mm -hmm. lots to do we should i should be out doing things but then you're just like oh they got Netflix on the TV here. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, he just George just went to do his sexy voice about Netflix, by the way. In case anyone <laughs> can catch that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I can watch. I think you should leave for the 15th time. I'm going to Netflix and do chill nothing. with myself yeah. in Montreal. Just disassociate for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sultry, I love it, man. That's yeah. good. I, I, I do find it interesting to go to a concert, though. I'm, I'm totally down to go do other things, but I don't know if I go... If I really would enjoy going to a show on a day off, I don't know yet. I'd have to try it. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I have to see. <laughs> I have to well, see. Like, yeah, usually, it has to be something very different. I've seen some. We've seen some That's incredible true. Like, shows. Yeah, we had That's a day true. off in Australia that lined up with like a Nick Cave show. Mm -hmm. George and I went to that. Like seeing something outside the space of like 
um like loud rock music yeah sort like of i think stuff. like yeah us be, like everyone being like oh like our buddies are playing in san diego i was like okay i'll see them at home yeah okay. yeah, yeah um yeah. so like but uh but yeah we yeah, went and saw like like i've seen some incredible shows on the road we went and saw like them we got tickets to the melvins in new orleans that was incredible melvins and big business yeah. and then uh I'm trying to think what else like went and saw um q-tip uh play and like a free live show in salt lake city one time oh, we were on yeah, the world tour. Yeah, yeah. it was incredible cool. it was i was drinking yeah. a lot back then lost my wallet at the show and then uh, someone I was hanging out with, just someone randomly I met, came to the show and dropped it off to our merch guy the next day. Oh, and the nice whole time person. I didn't even know that I lost my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> you were unaware that you didn't yeah. that you didn't have your wallet on you. That's how drunk you were. Steel, steel, yeah, I mean, steel just only for, for like, of, like for only for like twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> remember, you beat me. You beat me playing poker one time, blind oh. drunk. Oh, like yeah. I remember, it was, I was just like, how did you? What the. Like, yeah, you, you couldn't, you could barely, I think you thought you lost. And I was like, no, you've got a straight, you know, like, fucking, like you know, it's just. That's, that's yeah. just drunk luck right there. Yeah. yeah. What, but you have a really good memory. Do you still have a good memory from like when you're drinking or when you were drinking? Rather? Yes, I do. Yeah. Somehow mm -hmm. I've got this. You'd be uh, able to put, you could piece together the nights and everything. Oh yeah. That's gotta be awful. <laughs> 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 yeah, part of the joy of being a functional alcoholism or unfunctional is forgetting immediately what you did. Yeah. No, but in all yeah. seriousness, how, how long have you been sober? I know that's a really great segue there. Well, I had been... So when we first stopped touring in 2010, it was a, a very challenging spot for myself. Mm -hmm. The whole last like year of touring was... Uh, yeah, when you talk about recalling things, uh, that was all a very gray, blurry kind of time for me. Mm -hmm. And we stopped touring, and then uh, for me, like the illness um, had me where, right where it wanted me, you know, just like isolated, no agenda, nothing to do. And I went down pretty hard in a matter of months. And then I revisited a treatment center that I had been to years before, but like okay. went for myself. And then just applied myself and did everything I, that was suggested and... Um, um, you know, I, I came from this very like sheltered, scared, anxious, hiding in the basement kind of way of barely existing to like, uh, you know, mentally feeling good, physically starting to feel better, humbling, you know, lived with mm -hmm. my folks again after touring for 10 years. And so it was a, yeah, mix of emotions that, um, was the best thing obviously for me to like, uh, I needed the band to stop at that time. Yeah. for me um and then after a few years of that and being very involved uh, we did a one month kind of farewell in 2012 which f was very I was very accepting that uh we tied the ribbon on what it was mm -hmm. and then took a couple of years for myself to uh explore and ex uh sober this so I went from a very scared guy in a basement to like roaming around the world for two years by you myself said you did that by yourself too. yeah, yeah just when you say all over the world like how many countries did you visit? It was like 17 in that two years. Damn. The first year was focused on South Asia, mostly India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, the Turkey, Morocco, all of South America. And those are places we don't get to go tour. Like, yeah. Like and just opening outside, my eyes like, to new experiences. Really cool. Like I stepped away from music uh, completely. Like I, I was exposed to like, like interesting cultural musical experiences and 
you know festivals and places uh i was on that journey but um yeah i don't think it was like a spiritual soul seeking thing but mm -hmm. inevitably i like it's just, i was just living my life and, and growing and i felt free and then music brought me home i was in a i didn't have a phone i was at a internet cafe in myanmar almost two years in and there's an email about playing uh, montreal heavy like a festival that i it shocked me i thought like we were done yeah which i was Okay, you, 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 you had yeah. accepted it. Yeah, or, and I was like, yeah. maybe I had an open mind. Like if something while I was away, I, either I met someone or a career opportunity or whatever. Um, but so music essentially brought me back. We did the festivals. Life continued. I got involved in a new career, um, barbering. And things got busy and I, started, I stopped paying attention to myself. And they're all very positive things in my life. A new career, a relationship, a house, a thing, you know, material things. Yeah. And then came a time where I drank again after eight years of being sober, which is oh. very challenging, um, of course. I mean, I'm lucky. A lot of people don't get a chance to come back Yeah. in the reality of it. Um, and I had a difficult 16 months of, you know, five months sober, drink again for a couple of days. And it was, I was just so hard on myself and I felt like I lost trust. And, um, you know, maybe being a people pleaser, I felt like a failure. And then um, about four and a half years ago, you know, was my last tumble. And then I just, I just tried to keep it simple and mm. bring some people that used to be in my life closer to me and um, be kinder to myself and, and try not to be so perfect and, and just like baby steps, you know, and thankfully with like being able to tour and a fulfilling life at home and me being kinder to myself, like, I am only where I am, you know, today as far as like I'm not on this uh, finish, finishing line, you know, top of a mountain beating anything, but like I feel happy with myself, you know, and I feel like the value and the worth of like uh, what brings me joy are simpler things in life. This is an experience being able to tour and do these amphitheaters and that does give me a rush mm -hmm. and I'm addicted to automotive truck you know trucks and motorcycles and, and guitars and all that kind of stuff but those moments of simple things you know sitting on a park bench and seeing a bird and drinking a coffee and there's like mm. a moment of quietness and you have that real gut feeling you know mm. those are the kind of yeah and they come and go you know but like that's where it's at for me you know so can I have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I ain't you your fucking daddy. I ain't your fucking daddy. You I you. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I love, I love, I love that story, and especially the way that you. <laughs> that was the biggest build to yeah. a punchline. Can I have one of those? He said. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant brilliant holy yeah. fuck um yeah. no yeah. In, in seriousness though the part the parts uh, of that story that i really love and and i find i can uh sympathize with is is that being kind to yourself aspect you know a lot of people overlook that and it's very it's very serious to be to think of yourself as enough as you are and not be so down we're all gonna fuck up people everybody fucks up you you fall short of your own goals throughout this life very often and that is okay. It doesn't mean give up on them. Doesn't mean anything else like that. It's just you're you're going to fuck up, right? I mean, that's 
that's inevitable. Nobody's going to be perfect all the time yeah. with everything that they do. And there's things like with this that add struggle to that mm-hmm. on top of it even. I'm talking about even the healthy things are, are hard to, you know, staying oh. on a fucking diet, doing whatever. Yeah. Like you're not going to do it. So when it doesn't happen perfectly to your plan, it's not it's not time to just fucking throw it out the window, you know. It's, you know, you just you keep trying to be better every single day. That's 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 how I try to do things. If I'm doing it right or not, I don't know, but <laughs> you're tr- yeah. I'm certainly trying. We're though, definitely you know trying. I mean? Yeah, and I think that's that's at least got to be half the fucking battle, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, and we're lucky that we have this because I think it all comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. And like when I'm stuck in my own head and I'm doing my own thing, um, yeah, shit gets a little complicated and weird at times, and I and I feel lost, you know. And then when we we're traveling and you know obviously so many hours between playing the actual show the tour is like us being together and hanging out you know and uh although we don't do it as much as we used to um these are like the moments that like i hold on to you know i could just put it in my pocket and go about my my life when i go home you know absolutely yeah and uh speaking of like what you guys are doing in between the time off and stuff, you, you're, you're barber. You didn't bring out your tools, though. I didn't. Which is a bummer, because I could have been a rich man. A yeah. <laughs> rich man. <laughs> Why? How much were you going to charge yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't know. One of your crew is just like... <laughs> oh, everyone in the crew, too, yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone, all, yeah. all of our camp, yeah. Yeah, they were... Uh, up, yeah, they're saying... Uh, give you, like... Uh, at home, I charge $40 a cut. Okay. That's fair. It's very fair. Reasonable. Yeah. And, and this is like in Toronto. Do you, you want to plug the shop? This is uh, Crow's Nest Barbershop, Kensington Market, Toronto. Okay. Um, but on the Avenge Tour, maybe 200 USD. <laughs> <laughs> US, too. <laughs> Adjusting for the rate of inflation. Really, yeah. and, you know, it is what it is. And then, uh, Wade, you went on to join Gallows. Yeah. And Spent a lot of time that. with some British guys. I was I'm so glad that you started with the British thing because I was wondering how did were you guys friends before from doing tours? Actually, yeah. Or? So it's like you know I think they were kind of like my buddies that I would always hang out with in London, whenever we played. And then they were on maybe a couple warp tours we did, and um, yeah, just like close friends and um, yeah, it was a, a very crazy timed out thing. Of you know their their guitar player called me and is like hey my brother quit I don't know what Alexis is doing um, but do you want to like come over and come to band practice and see what it's like and I was like the band is breaking up mm-hmm. like you know uh, like Dallas is gonna focus on seeing color full time um, fuck like book the flight I guess. Mm. And, um, so they flew you out. Yeah. And I just kind of like, we just kind of, I got there and I was like, maybe we just write a song. We like wrote a song and that was kind of it. And it was just, it was very like quick, like, you know, coming out of this doing Alexis for so long and then just like stepping into that immediately. And also because of, you know, where they were at and the way, like kind of like their singer left, like there was tours booked, there was studio time booked. And I just really stepped into it. It was, it was very hectic, like off the jump. First of all, it's a it's a wild thing, like, you know, replacing a singer. And not only just a singer, 
a brother. Yeah, for so, sure. You know, like that's 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 to me, that's got to be an added thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, and so everything was like really kind of just like kicked into high speed really quick. Like, flew out to California, made a EP with like Joby from the Bronx. Oh, Joey. Yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, I haven't seen that guy in a long time. And then just like went on the road, did like an American tour like right away. And, um, you know, very much just like, yeah, it was it was very strange. It was a strange time because like, uh, you know, Alexis breaking up was tough. You yeah, know, I think it I'm was sure like, it was not an easy decision. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it did fucking hurt mm. all of us. Like, you know, even in like, and I think even now we have a, better understanding of um you know even though like initially began with dallas being like i can't do this anymore um you know i think we can even appreciate the the difficulties for him in doing that absolutely in this time you know where we're at now right um but uh yeah it was it was like the band was everything for us and then it was gone and um so it was a real trip like jumping into something else and um I think uh, I felt pretty rocked by like not doing Alexis anymore, and it definitely probably helped like joining a very angry band, right? Um, and uh, and yeah, we toured really hard for like five years, made two records, and uh, yeah, and then, Gallows and Desolation. Sounds. Yeah, we made like a self-title, and then Desolation Sounds, and then we were all pretty burnt, and then um, I felt like it was time for me to get off the road, and. Um, and so I kind of like told the dudes, like, I got to really pull back on, on touring. And then, um, uh, I don't know, like, I, like I got to me leave. I was like, I'm kind of like done with music. I got a job like hosting a radio show in Toronto. Oh, you did. And, uh, that was me leaving music. And so I did that and then like music just kind of worked its way back in, in a very, in a very like kind of strange way. I got asked to, um, I got asked to work on music for that hockey film Goon. Oh, yeah, with uh, yeah. Sean Williams. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's written and done by uh, Jay Baruchel, who's like a Canadian dude, and uh, um, he asked me to do that, and he really opened the door for me doing like uh, some doing film composing work, and very quickly, me leaving the music industry shifted into me like becoming a composer. That's right. I didn't yeah. realize that. So yeah, I, I mean, I I did that. From that, I, um, Jason that worked on, um, on Goon, uh, created Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, um, I love that show. So I well, did like I've I did, watched. I've loved. I love the episodes that I've watched, but it is heavy. I was talking to Chris uh, just heavy, the other yeah. night about it. I was like, yeah, yeah. I watched a few <laughs> see a few episodes from the first season, but then like it's like. Yeah. Some of it I don't really want to know. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, just like, you know, in, like in a very organic way, like one thing led to another. Worked on the first few seasons of that. And then just like, you know, someone on that was like uh, a creative director that worked for like Ubisoft. And I, I, I did music for that video game Far Cry, which I worked on for like two years. Damn. Just so much music you need to make for video games. Like, you know, it's not like making an album or, or doing a score for a film. You know, for Car Far Cry, they like wanted like hundreds of minutes of music. Like that's what they're asking me to make. You're making like all these loops in all these different things. It's it's an incredible experience. Wow, um, I didn't realize. I mean, it makes sense when you when you say that because the games are so intricate now, and they 
they update them with new with new levels like and DLCs and, and stuff, stuff and like yeah, that. It's like, like, well, you gotta have shit that's probably written. You want it by the same composer if you can, mm-hmm. so it's all in the same vein and ha- and stays true to the to that game, right? And so yeah, it's been it's been a really like cool experience working on that stuff. Just in one thing keeps leading to another. So like, I've done a bunch of films and like a bunch of TV at this point. I think like the last thing I did some like I did some music for like a a shootout scene in that like new Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, like, is that the Fubar thing? Fubar? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. Just it really facilitates like being able to do music that's very, very different from mm-hmm. like my day job, like band to, you know, but having something be like, have a, have a purpose, you know, just cause I love all this different types of music, like doesn't mean I'm like making the way jazz record, you know, like it'd be like, but I, I, I kind of want to hear the way dub specialist with a voice though too. Yeah, it had to be like, super loungy. Like, yeah, like, for sure. like yeah. But like I think uh, you know, but like, but for for film, you know, it gives something like that a place. Like if you find that scene that like something like that really suits it. Uh, I see what you're saying. Not yeah. only like do I get allowed to make something like that, but like it makes sense too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not something I have to like. I'm making a record like that and touring it and putting it out in a conventional way. It can like exist in that world of the film, and it's been a it's been a really cool thing. And I feel like it certainly has. Uh, made me grow as a writer and a musician and then ultimately you know coming back to Alexis recording again I think it it helped inform that stuff and I think all of us can really say that about our time away Dallas making a bunch of City and Color records Mm -hmm. touring playing with different people Um, everyone's what everyone else has done outside of the band I think we're able to to put into this new record and I think the time away and what we've done subsequently, aside from Alexis, has made Alexis on fire better. Right. And allowed us to make the record we just made. You went out, sharpened your knives, came back with a, you know, with everyone putting them together, right? And just making, and realizing a lot of, a lot of the times that strength that you guys have always had together. So I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, when it did come back, it, it did feel right with those uh, extra sharpened tools. It did. It feels like, uh, I think Dal was saying the other night, he's like, I feel like, I feel like we're getting, we're finally, finally the band we've always wanted to be. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Yeah. And that's that feels good. Dude, watching you guys uh, over the last couple of weeks that we've been on this tour, though, too, like, you guys have always been a great live band. Uh, one, like, one that we've enjoyed watching when we're on tour with you guys and stuff. Just you, real, raw, live fucking band playing the shit and doing it. And it's been so long since I had gotten to see you guys, so I was, like, popping a little bit, like, watching, especially some of the new songs of Otherness and stuff. It's that they... You just got a vibe to him. That record's great, by the way. To Thank all you so guys. much. Congratulations. And, uh, um, but yeah, there's also that confidence level I see in you guys from being away from it. Maybe I don't know if that if that if that's helped in in any way or like because you have like I don't know. I, I'll, I'll put it in perspective for myself. Like it, when this the, when this time that Avenged had a break on, there was a lot of like, what the fuck am I gonna do now? For at first, you know. Um, cause it wasn't, it was unexpected. It was abrupt. Um, so there wasn't a lot of confidence that I can do anything else, but play bass and Avenged Sevenfold. And then now as they, as five years go on, I start doing other projects start having other fun elsewhere. It's like, it goes back to realizing that you're enough, right? Like in whatever position you are. So I mean that level of confidence, not the yeah. big dick swinging fucking no, confidence that people talk about. I think that when you're in a band that's touring eight, eight to ten months out of the year um it can kind of stunt you progressing yourself because you, the only yeah. thing really desire that the only thing really required of you is to show up on stage and do the thing that you can do and you and if you don't if you don't really push yourself to learn new things or or, or do new things you know you can just be that per version of yourself right when the band broke up yeah it was very much into the deep end Everybody, we got to figure out what we're going to do with ourselves. And and uh, it was, yeah, kind of sink or swim sort of situation. And you find you're you, we're faced with all those same things. I'm like, I don't, Jesus Christ, what are my skills post-Alexis on fire? I can drink whiskey like it's water. And uh, I can scream at the top of my lungs. It's really hard to put that on a resume, you know? Uh, so, like, but then you find out, like, you know, like, you sell your, maybe it's just selling yourself short, but there is so much, so many things from playing in a band that you need. Like, the ingenuity it took from us at a young age to do the things that we needed to do, we've made lightning strike in our, in our lives. And so there had you had the feeling that like, you know, anything's really possible. You can you just have to do it right. Mm. Like and that that was the same sort of, um, you know, same sort of thing that put us in a van for the first time and put us into the States or sent us to Europe and all that stuff. It's just anything's possible. You just have to do it. And uh, and I think uh, I know that I'm, I can, maybe I can't speak for everyone, but but that's what I applied to my life. And and uh, and, you know. 
I got very lucky, but also worked very hard and figured other things out, right? Like, so, so yeah. And, and then we come back and now we have this, I think the confidence comes probably from the, yeah, the wealth of experience we all gained in the time off and, and then coming back to it and coming, um, coming back to the studio, making something and believing in it. Yeah, there, there, is, there is a newfound confidence within our band that I don't think we maybe had back in the day. I think there was, I think we would have looked at that as uncouth back then or, or something. Like if you were to be feeling really good about yourself, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> not allowed to have picking. fun in oh, this Look life. at this guy. What's he got a new jacket? Yeah. Let's get him. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, like. Well, it's, it's, that, it's that thought I think that a lot of us get of if you're not working hard, you're not being successful. Or, or if you're not yeah. killing yourself for the art rather, then it's, then it, then it, then it's, then it's not worth doing. It's like, I want to do this for fun and, and a living and just because I want to create art. I want to do it. I want it to be for all the re right reasons. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's the moments where you kill yourself over it, you know, and that's where you, you get drama. It's getting a plethora. It's a buffet of, of, of genres when you're, when you're creating art, right? And you mm -hmm. get to pull from the multifaceted human being that you are to create. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what, what we really get into it for. But I can't let you graze over your time off though, becoming a firefighter. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, you 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 could drink whiskey real fast. Yeah, I like. How did that help guns. you? I like sunfire finishes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I've I've uh, I've got a brand new son at home. You know, like I'm like, holy shit. Okay, we got to figure out what I want to do. And I remember sitting there vividly with my wife and making the list of things I thought I could do. And it's like, oh, I could take a small business course. I could open up a bar locally. Could do these sorts of things, you know, like anything I want, you know, and none of it really on the bottom of the list. It was kind of like the last one thrown out there was emergency services, like working in, working as a firefighter, and it seemed like the most impractical. And uh, I think I thought that I'd get it, like you know, maybe I'd get a job in the music industry and I'd learn to hate the music industry, and then like more so. I was you know, gonna say like, more than you already did. More than time. I already did. Yeah, I think I think I would have like yeah, it would have felt like I was doing something. So like, and I'd also realized that like the learning curve it would have taken to like get a job in the music industry or do something like that would have been as significant as it doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm I'm put in the position where I'm like, well, anything's kind of possible. I talked to a few people who were who were firefighters. They gave me these these um, uh, you know, lists of things to do. Here's the uh, you know, here are the certificates you're going to need. Here's what looks good on a resume. Here's this. And like slowly over time, I, I kind of, um, you know, uh, built myself up and it took about like two years. I took a job working non-emergent patient transfer, driving an ambulance, taking people to their, um, different like appointments and stuff like that. Uh, I did volunteer work with St. John ambulance where I, 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 um, would, was an event medic at, at, at various concerts. So it was so funny. Like, wow. you know, like St. John ambulance was at the last Alexis show. And then I like, you know, eight months later, I'm working St. John ambulance in that same venue. And like, you know, uh, Motley Crue's playing and there's like a drunk OHL hockey player that's like bleeding from the head. And I'm like <laughs> trying to wrangle him and put, you know, gauze on his head and stuff. Right? Dude, is, that's got to put a different perspective. We're talking a lot about perspectives, or at least I keep using the fucking word because I'm an asshole. But at the uh, it's interesting that you end up in the concerts doing the, doing that. It's got to put uh, an appreciation, a level of appreciation for these these i mean we have them all the time i don't know about you guys who aren't in in that field but for me it's like i appreciate them i see them i'm like oh these guys are working hard this is great but 
He's been he's the only one on here that's been on the other side of that. They're working hard. They're working hard at our shows. I've been there too. Where like I was at like I got to see Leonard Cohen play. Uh, I went. I worked at a Leonard Cohen show. Nobody got injured at the Leonard Cohen concert. <laughs> you know, like there's they, a lot of like showing up at like Leonard, the Christian but... track meet or something like that. You yeah. know, or like uh, or something weird like uh, the Jarvis Peach Festival. Oh yeah. And then like someone cuts their hand putting up a tent or something like that. And you're just like, you know, it's just like that sort of stuff. But so yeah, I did that for a while, and then uh, it's super competitive being trying to become a firefighter there's uh you kind of apply to every city that you can within a two-hour radius around you they they, once a year every they they post hiring sometimes they're you know this city would be hiring eight people or this city be hiring two people and the amount of people that are going out for those jobs like uh, the job that i got was uh they hired nine people of of it was something like 870 people wrote the test wow so like and then there's multiple levels to the testing and you're always trying to sharpen yourself and make sure that you're like good like because like you got to do a written test then you have to do like uh, a physical practical test where you do all the the practical firefighting uh stuff like you know pulling hose off the truck setting up hydrants you know hoisting ladders and all this stuff and then um and then you have to do an interview you got to sit in front of like you know people with like 30 years firefighting experience and explain to them why your band it was relevant to the fact that you're a fire you should become a firefighter <laughs> and there were there were times where that hit and there was times where people were like that says nothing to do with anything we're not right. we're not going to touch you right so there was a long period of just like fighting to get you know your resume in there and to get it going and then i got hired by the city of oshawa um in 2015 and i've been there for over eight years now and uh, yeah, first class firefighter. I'm a technical rescue uh, shift trainer for technical rope rescue, so all that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm proud to hell that I that I that I do it. I'm I'm really excited, uh, and I work with such a great group of people. But it's nice to have the wildest side gig on like the like in both like yeah, because both of these things are like huge parts of me. And I can just have one foot planted there and one foot planted here. I feel like the last year has been figuring out if I can do both of these things at the same time. And I absolutely can. And it's just a really, the, the joy of that is not lost on me. It's very it, it's fun. It's super unique. You're the only guy in a band that I've ever met. Like after the 20 years I've been doing this, that has a job <laughs> like that on the side. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Yeah. But, so in that though, I have to ask you, what, what's your take on Sinister Gates' busted leg on, in Mansfield? Well, I'm off had the you clock. Over there? I, uh, you know, yeah. I don't want to step on. The union will have something to say if I start working off the shift. You have to pay overtime. Like it's not. Uh... <laughs> Busted. Like I don't know. I want to spray it with a hose or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was at a. I was at a baseball. I was at. I was at a birthday party for this friend of ours, and they were playing soccer baseball. This lovely woman, Laura Katz, and uh, she was playing soccer baseball. She kicked the ball, and she was running around the corner, and she broke her leg, and it was like. It was incredible. Uh, I'm standing there, and then everyone comes over to me. They're like, "George, you're a firefighter. What do you do?" And I'm like, "I have. I, I'm going to call 911 and <laughs> wait for the paramedics to get here. I don't know. Make sure she does. I, yeah, you know, like like I can't. There's not much I can do right now. Uh, just keep her warm, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Elevate yeah. it. I don't know. <laughs> do what my mom said to do when I was when I was a kid. But wait, you just called it. Would you call it soccer baseball? Oh, they were playing soccer baseball. Yeah, it's like it's a called kickball. 
Kickball? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Soccer baseball. That's a <laughs> colloquial Canadian thing. You guys call it soccer baseball? I've never heard of it. You never played <laughs> you never I don't want to ball? learn about it. All right. Well, well I change the subject. That's it. We change the subject. <laughs> Either way. Soccer I want to learn about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get back to one thing and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll tie a bow on this and again. But uh, you mentioned working on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. We were talking about wrestling the other mm-hmm. night. Are you guys uh, also being in Canada? I mean, Wrestling's big in Canada now, so like, oh, yeah, man. Do you guys have like a, a little? I mean, you're you're a huge there? wrestling fan, right? I'm an absolutely huge wrestling yeah. fan. Well, I can tell you one thing. Brett the Hitman Hart's daughter is definitely gonna be out in Calgary. That's what I heard. Yeah, Beans Steal will be in the house. Yeah. So will Blade. Blades. Yeah. Blades. But what is it? Well, who are you talking about? <laughs> Either way, the other Hitman kid. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that would be awesome. I, I, I would, I would like lovely. the, uh, I, I'd like the invite. She's to, great. To we met, we, we met her the first time. Uh, you know, like she, we were like, oh, okay, this is Hitman's daughter. She's coming out to the show. Okay, we'll hang out with her. And she's driving us around in her SUV, and we're all just kind of like. You know, not trying to be cool. Like, we don't want to talk stuff. And then, like, you know, we get to the later in the night, and I'm like, I want to ask you some questions about wrestling. And she's just like, fucking shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and then we're like, you know, just as all, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's like, she's at my house for Christmas. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, all this stuff. You know, just, it was, it was really nice. And she's that's been a, a great friend ever since. She's hooked me up. My, I've got a son that's like extremely into wrestling. And uh, we, uh, she hooked us up with tickets to SummerSlam when it was in Toronto and stuff like that. It was, it was very cool. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of rediscovered it through my son's eyes, and we would go out to a lot of events. We just saw AEW and uh, uh, came through Hamilton a little yeah. while ago, which was excellent. Like, you know, Sting and uh, uh, Chris Jericho fought, and these are, like, two and guys first, that are like, oh, my God. It was like, the first time they were ever in the ring together, by the I way. Know, yeah. And it was hard to believe because they were in WCW together. Uh, numerous times they've probably been over in uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. doing that they never fought each other so it's under any of Chris Jericho or Sting's persona, uh, personas it was the first time it was in AEW it took that long it was, it like, was incredible too yeah. like they really like pulled out all the stops Sting jumped off a fucking ladder out of the ring yeah, I think he's still through a table one, by the way. I mean like <laughs> Yeah, I want to do that now. It's impressive. It's impressive. Yeah, for someone who has probably just all he's mostly scar tissue at this point. Yeah, he just uh, yeah, sixty two jumped off a ladder. How old your table? He is thirteen. Okay, I have a six year old son who's who's also brought me back into wrestling. That and the podcast here, I'm huge fan of AEW as well as WWE. I think it's a great time as a wrestling fan to have the two factions out right now, the two companies rather, because mm-hmm. you get it's two different things. It's not they're not in competition right now with with one another, in my opinion. Aside from the one common ground they have is wrestling, but they have two different ways of presenting it. Yeah, I agree. And I, and there's times when like, you know, if I mean I don't want to talk shit, but you know, WWE storylines sometimes like um I'm losing steam with this or that, you right. know, and, and I'm kind of for a while that exciting. was especially when there was a I feel like that because there wasn't after I just said there's no competition once there was another company around I feel like it did make him go like yeah maybe we should do something because like it, there was without any competition they had a monopoly on wrestling right for 15 mm-hmm. years oh yeah yeah that's. You get, you get jaded pretty quick after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's good what if have... you were the only rock band for 15 years that anyone could listen oh, yeah. to? It's good to have something that kind of reminds you that you got to work for it a little bit. Yeah. You know? We went out on stage that first day, 
And uh, it's been a long time since we've opened a show. You know, we have not done a tour opening for somebody in, I don't know, more than a decade mm. or something. And definitely that first part that, you know, the crowd sings a lot of the set. And uh, definitely that first one we were like, and no one sang. <laughs> Just like crickets. <laughs> crickets. And you're like, oh, uh, that, was, that was when they regretted oh, being on the oh, tour. Wow. <laughs> They're oh, like, yeah. we said yes to this spoiled. mother. No, but it's been, it's been cool, man. It's been yeah. like, you know, we, we got off stage. We we're like, all right, like, how do we, well, first we got to remember how we do this. And then just like, you know, start talking about like changing the set and like, you know, we're like, we got to sing everything. And it's been cool. I mean, it's, it's been a really good experience. Like, um, I think like playing to a ton of people that like don't know it, which mm-hmm. has been, it's been really good. And I think it's like making us, you know, Steel was saying the other day, like it's kind of, you know, when you're playing to just your fans all the time, there's, you know, it's not like we're not putting on an energetic show, but um, I like feeling like we have to work for it. It's the American difference of being especially. around a bunch of yes men or something like that. You know, like if you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of yes men all the time, there'd be no one telling you you need to step your game up or like, no, that that's actually not really fucking good, you know? Yeah. I, I remember hearing, I forget what stand-up comic it was, talking about that where like they get to a point where they don't even trust their, their audience anymore and that like, the laughs were there the second they walked through the door sure, or yeah. like where like they almost needed to get out of that like comfort zone of having a big audience that's just there for you so that they can mm-hmm. understand if the jokes are funny or not you know like because mm-hmm. people just like kind of come preloaded with it now that being said like you know i think we're we're getting all the laughs when we when we do our own shows yeah, i think we're funny <laughs> Wait, we need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, um, I'll let you get back. We got a show to do tonight here in Illinois, wherever outside of Chicago we are, the place that we've been too many times to before. Absolutely. It's going to be a hot one. It's going to yeah. be cooker. You guys, you guys prepared for that? Yeah, I think it's 40 degrees. Dallas and I played Frisbee for like 10 minutes oh, right, right before this. Jeez. Mental. Pretty bad out there? I thrive on it, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like uncomfortable. And just I find it easier to go to that place, you know, in your head and just kind of like kind of forget everything and just mm-hmm. just get into it so um no it's gonna be good the last few shows we've had in chicago for our, our own shows have been like really really good so i think playing not it's not supposed to be comfortable <laughs> right <laughs> like for real like i'm yeah. not like when people are just like whenever i see some fucking like drummer or, like some motherfucker that's wearing like some sort of like cycling shirt or something that like wicks away sweat or something i'm like i don't care that that like helps you do your job better yeah you look like a fucking bozo <laughs> <laughs> wear something that's uncomfortable and i don't know that fucking who does cool. that yeah. wait, 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 wait. let's get who a sequin let's shit. get a sequin jumpsuit on you yeah yeah who have you seen do that i think i'm thinking of uh fucking copeland okay i'm fucking the police okay you know he's like these fucking gloves help improve my snare rolls, and this keeps my lumbar support and these cushioned. Does he sell those? Are, are they the like his own up. signature yeah. stuff? Wade's, uh, <laughs> all cops are bastards. I right? know I promised I wouldn't go off about Copeland, George, but. Yeah, you really. Oh, here we go. There we go. Another one of classic Wade's <laughs> Copeland rants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was that in the, the Bible rant the other day. What was that? The Bible rant. 
I don't know. We were talking to the dressing room the other day. You said something. You quoted. It wasn't an actual quote of the Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something. Sounds like something I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But I went to the book, and I was like, oh, man, it sounded like a really good... I should, I should get, and it wasn't there. That's not in Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was from the movie Hook. <laughs> run home, maybe Jack. We, run home, Jack. Maybe if, <laughs> maybe if we all spent a little more time reading our Bibles, we wouldn't get rained out in our shows. You know, oh. like you could, God wouldn't wouldn't cancel the shows. <laughs> you know. That's it. Too much satanic imagery George, in the event sevenfold said stuff. That when we're getting on the bus. He said, he said, he said, well, maybe if event sevenfold didn't have so much satanic imagery, the show wouldn't have been rained out. I wish we were that important. I wish we were that important in God's eyes. He's like, oh, these fucking guys, we're gonna rain that show out. Well, on that note, dudes. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. Yes. For, for, uh, for being so here much. on the show. Everyone go check out the rest of the tour if you can. And more from Alexis on Fire and everything that they're doing. Get put out by a fire. Get your hair cut. Go check out Gallows. We'll see you next time. Oh, or anything else that he's composing. I want to talk to you more about that later, too. We'll talk more about that. Cheers. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.